0: Romans chapter number 3 this morning. Book of Romans chapter number 3. We're going to begin to read with verse number 1. Romans chapter 3. Beginning to read with verse number 1. Grateful for your presence today and thank the Lord for His goodness. Appreciate Him. Oh, sometimes those words, words are so Lightly spoken. We say more things out of habit than we do from the heart. And uh, we say things because they sound spiritual rather than because we are spiritual. And uh, God help us that we can be spiritual. Romans chapter number 3, beginning to read with verse number 1. If you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the word of God? Romans chapter 3, beginning getting to read with verse number 1. Paul said, What vantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? And he answers the question. He says, Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Or what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto His glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No. In no wise, we have before provoked, I'm sorry, we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Father in heaven, thank you dear God for the privilege this morning that you let us stand one more time. God, I thank you for your good grace and your mercy. God, You know my feebleness and weakness this morning as I stand to preach the Word of God. I'm sorry, God, of my failures and of my wrong. Of God, where I come so short of Your glory so many times. I ask You, dear God, to help us today. Lord God, as we strive to do, to preach what we feel, Lord, You would have us to preach today. God, would You help us and give us that grace that we could speak those things. God, that might be pleasing unto you, that might be according to your will. God, those things that might benefit the cause of Christ and the people of God today. Help us, O God, as we break the bread of life, Lord, that it might become effectual to hearts this morning, especially, God, to those that know not Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. God, help them that today, O dear God of heaven, that they could be saved, I pray. God, would you touch us and help us one more time? Preach me like a dying man to a dying world. I'm sorry, God, of my failures. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You and be seated. We read the scripture this morning. Contextually, we're seeing Paul expound uh, to the Jews that, uh, that they were advantageous, if you will, and the rest of the world, because they had something that the rest of the world didn't have. As we begin to read the Word of God, we'll understand that we, we have a, a problem conce- conce- conceiving in, in our mind uh, the things that uh, others uh, really don't have a problem conceiving. That is that sometimes we have a problem conceiving that we're blessed people. We, we we go beyond the fact that we're blessed until we think that we're owed some things. We consider ourselves to be privileged in some way and, and yet God has smiled on us in such a great manner that it's not hard to understand that we would consider ourselves to be privileged in that way. Paul was speaking to these Jews here and the Jews that were thinking that that they were better than the rest. They thought that they were better than the world. We know that that the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus came for whosoever will. But yet we find that Paul is is constantly in defense of himself because he preaches the gospel unto the Jews. And and as we look at the context of the scripture, uh, you know that that we see that these Jews uh, would say to themselves, "Well, uh, we're better." And Paul would ask the question here. What then, what is the advantage? What is the advantage of uh, then hath the Jew? Or what profiteth is there in circumcision? Then he answered in verse number two and said, There's much in every way. There's, there's, there's a great advantage to being a Jew. And he's talking to Jews. There's a great advantage to being a Jew. And now he's not speaking this unto Gentile people. But he's speaking this unto the Jewish people because he's about to let them see how that they've spurned away a great opportunity and how that they have neglected some things in their life and and really have come to the place where that they are uh, that they are, are are about to be turned away, be turned over. The Scripture tells us what's going to happen and that God would turn to the Gentiles. And I say, bless the Lord that He turned to the Gentile people and. And you better say bless the Lord as well uh, that He turned to the Gentile people. But, uh, But it wasn't because that He didn't love the Jews and it's not because today that He does not love the Jews as well. But there is a reason that God did that and that is uh, He answers this in verse uh, number 2 and 3. He said, Much in every way, uh, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. You see, uh, we know that according to what we can understand about the Bible that the Jewish people throughout history, they knew what God wanted and and they knew what God expected and and they knew the law of God and and they professed or, or they possessed, if you will, the prophecies of the Lord Jesus they had all of those things in their hands, they had Isaiah or fifty three in their hand, they could read about what the scripture said that Jesus would be born one day as a root out of dry ground. He would come forth, speaking of the of the, the the conception of a virgin, how that she should bring forth a son, and that that his name shall be called Emmanuel. All of those things that were in the hands of these people, and since they possessed this word, they were advantageous over the rest of the world. Y'all see what I'm saying? They knew to look for a Messiah. They really did. They were looking constantly for a Messiah. By the way, they're still looking for a Messiah. They're still looking for the Messiah to come. Not only did they know to look for a Messiah, they knew to long for a Messiah. They they want that Messiah to come back to establish the rule. Jerusalem or or Israel has never really, ever since their existence, they've never really been in peace. There's always been a time, I mean, there may have been 100 or 200 years where they were were peaceful, but there was always people, enemies of Israel. And that's God's people. But even though they knew, they still would not, Observe Jesus as the Messiah when He came. We're going somewhere, if you'll stay with us this morning in just a little bit. Their reason for not believing Christ as Messiah were, or observe, as they, as as to say at the least, who He was born to. They said, We don't believe that He's the Messiah because look who He was born to. Actually, the Jewish, uh, in, in Jewish history, they say that Jesus is, they still proclaim that He was illegitimate they say they still say that he is the the son of a probably of a Roman soldier, and that's what they still say they they still proclaim that uh, that Mary there's no way that she was a virgin and and that possibly you know that he was not only born to a virgin but he was born to a and that, that he his his old daddy or daddy on the earth if you will was a was a carpenter and and well not only this they they look at where he came from and they said there's no way that he can be the messiah. Because look where he came from. The Bible made that statement, I believe it was Andrew, that, that when he came, when, the, Lord, when the, the disciples came to him said, is there any good thing that can come from Nazareth? Because of where he came from, they had the idea that, that Jesus was not, uh, uh, that, that he was not capable of being the Messiah. They would not look to the Scripture to back up the fact that his birth was prophesied, his life was prophesied, as well as His death being prophesied. There's so much there that they had in the oracles of God. Paul's letting them know here that you've been advantageous. You've had the jump. You've had a head start. You've got the jump on all of us because you've had the oracles of God. You've had what God... Uh, what God's plan was from the beginning and you sit here today and you're really uh, ignorant of, of the devices of the Lord. You're ignorant of the Scripture. You're ignorant of these things. I want to preach to you if I can this morning uh, on the subject of God's plan for today's man. God's plan for today's man. We look at that. How foolish do you think that is for Israel uh, to, to, to really turn down it was simple for me to get saved I didn't struggle with being saved I I didn't didn't, uh, harsh it out I I, I didn't go into months or years or or anything of of being lost and I bless the Lord for that and I thank him uh, that he done me that way that I was saved when I I got to be lost I wasn't lost long before I got saved amen and I'm grateful for that and I appreciate the Lord for his goodness I I realize there's some that struggled with it that that had trouble believing that had trouble trusting that had trouble giving uh, giving it all up to God and and I'm grateful that as a 12 year old boy I didn't have that trouble and I didn't have that problem Uh, so believing the gospel has not been a hard thing for me it's not been troublesome for me and and I I thank the Lord for that but to to the Jews today it seemed like that the gospel was a hard thing for them to believe it's something uh, uh, that we know that the Bible now tells us there's a veil that those Jewish people have a veil but he said in verse number 4 here uh, that Let God be true, but every man a liar as it is written that thou mayest be justified in the sayings and mightest overcome when the act is judged. We sit on this side of grace and wonder how can they not obey? We sit on this side of grace and say, how can they not see that he's the Messiah? And we have the same Bible and we have the same commands and God has blessed us with this blessed old book today and he's given us the commands of God and he's given us the oracles of God. Uh, we're not Jews anymore uh, but brother we're uh, we're the church of the living God and we've been given the Bible. We've been given the words of God. We've been given how that we ought to behave and how we ought to live. It's been handed brother Bradley in our laps. Uh, we've heard it preached from the pulpits uh, and from street corners across America. We know what the book says. Uh, we know how we ought to operate. We know what what ought to take place and what we do today is we barely get by living on a mediocrity and half hearted a spiritual walk with God we live in that way the Bible said to us in 1st Timothy he said in chapter number 3 in verse number 15 but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God which is the church of the living God the pillar and the ground of the truth. You see, uh, we've got the Bible. We know how, what ought to take place in God's house. So we ought to know how we came. Brother Bradley prayed this morning, and he said something about being prepared uh, to come to the house of God. Being prepared when you come, being ready, being prayed up, being uh, ready to go and to, and to worship. And, and I really wonder how many of us this morning, as we look down our past noses at the Jews, and say they ought to believe and they ought to they, they ought to see it. Well, brother, we ought to see it. We ought to look at the Word of God and know that the Bible's true. Let God be true and every man a liar. Hey, Brother Mike, if it's good for the Jews, it's good for us today as well. It's good for us as well. What God's plan is for man is that you and I, in modern day, that we'd still live by the blessed old book that we'd still carry out what God said in the blessed old book. You say, well, it's a, that old book's about outdated, brother. I'm telling you what, it's more current than, than tomorrow's newspaper. I can tell you, uh, that's what this, this old book is. Uh, it's not outdone and it's not outdated. I want you to know it's brand new every day. It'd do us good to get in the book and understand that we need to live by what thus saith the Word of God. God give us the book. He give us the Bible, the Word of Almighty God. He give the Jews the, the Word of God, the oracles of God, that old law, He give it to them that they could know that they were the purpose. What was the purpose of the law? Was it so those Jews could march by that law and that they could live in that law and get acceptance into heaven? That, that, that law, according to what Paul said, was a schoolmaster. What was that schoolmaster teaching? It was teaching us that we could not live good enough to get there. It was teaching us that there's no power in us to get to heaven Therefore God sent forth his son, a born of a virgin, and he paved the way, and he made the way so you and I could get there. The purpose of the law, Brother Mike, was to point us to Jesus and make the Jews as well as the Gentiles be desirous of living in the manner of the Lord Jesus. But today we live in a society where revival's needed very much. Amen. I wonder, do you need revival in your heart this morning? body need revival in their heart you get a little sideways you get a little downhearted you get a little backslid on God oh God help me because i to be honest with you most of the time I find myself there more than I do anywhere else a little backslid on God a little by a little holding out on God a little not giving God the quite the attention that he deserves and I've got the Bible I know what I need to do I know how I need to behave I know the things that I need to live by I know what I ought to do and at least sit there and look at others and say well why in the world don't they do what they ought to do? I ask that. Turn that question upon us. Why in the world don't we do what we know we ought to do? First of all how must we behave in the house of God? That's what Paul told Timothy. How we ought to behave in the house of God. You say you're going to get on how you handle things in church. I'm talking about how we ought to behave. I'm not just talking about running in the church aisles and cleaning up the carpet and washing the, the bathrooms down. I'm talking about how we ought to behave spiritually in the house of God, of the things that we ought to do in God's house. How must we behave, preacher? Let's look at how we ought to behave to the preaching of first of the Word of God. How we ought to behave to the preaching, preaching something anymore that people don't like a whole lot of. We we don't mind having a religious speech, and we don't mind uh, uh, being, you know, having a a, a, a pep rally. But when it comes to preaching anymore, God help us wish or like things around the house of God. The word preaching means proclaiming. The word preaching means publishing in discourse. That's what the word according to, uh, to, uh, to Webster's 1828 dictionary, the word preaching means that. You know what the word, what preaching requires. Preaching requires a few things. First of all, preaching requires reaction. When there's a when there's preaching to be done, uh, there's some reaction that ought to be taking place. Second uh, Timothy chapter four and verse number two, the Bible said, "Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine." Hey, listen to this. He said, "For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own." Lust shall heap to themselves teachers uh, having itching ears uh, and shall turn away their ears from the truth uh, and shall be turned uh, unto fables. Listen to me friend. Uh, if you want to get the the, the, the whole of the matter? Uh, you let somebody come up with a date uh, or you let somebody come up with some uh, mysticism out there and have a little bit of Bible background about it and it'll catch the whole world. It'll run like wildfire. The church will take off and run with it and say boy have you heard about this? But they've been preaching taking place for uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years uh, about Jesus' return, uh, about what's going to happen prior uh, to the Lord's return. And people like me and you will sit in the church house uh, and we'll turn a deaf ear and we'll say, oh uh, boy, I know He's coming. We sang the song this morning. Brother Philip let it. The King is coming. The King is coming. I looked across the, the house as we sang that song. And I tell you, I don't believe one of us believed today that the King is coming as I looked across the house, we didn't act like we really thought that he was coming. I'm telling you, what in the world's going, or going on? Well, I'm telling you, the word of God, the preaching of the word requires reaction. I'll tell you what, what's happening today is people are heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears. We we're more about getting babysat and get our scratches itched and, and our itches scratched and everything else than we are about hearing of the word of God. We like to be stroked and told about how good we are and how important we are, rather than being told that God said that let all men be large and let God be. Be true and we want our ego we want to feel like we're important but he said that in verse number 10 as it is written there's none righteous no not one we like to be stroked and made to feel like we're somebody amen y'all help me right here y'all know I'm telling it right and folks we've got the Bible the book the word of God that God's given us that we could, uh, could, could hold on to we could live by so we can have the plan. The Word of God requires reaction. Number two, the Word of God requires response. The preaching does. Today in a modern day church, remember, is very seldom moved by God's Word any longer. Very seldom are we moved by the Word of God any longer. 2 Kings chapter 23. Turn your Bible. 2 Kings chapter 23. Josiah is king. Josiah is a young man that was eight years old when he began to reign, according to the scripture. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. The Bible said he did that which was right. the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David his father and he turned not aside to the right hand or to the left the Bible tells us that Josiah began to go and he began to get serious about the relationship with Jerusalem, with Israel or with God's people and God he began to get real serious is what he did he began to seek God in, verse, in, in chapter number 23, in, in verse number 1, the Bible said, "In the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great, And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul. To perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. The Bible said, and all the people stood to the covenant. Brother Mike, all the people stood to the covenant. That meant they were on board. That meant there was their response was positive. We're ready to live by what this book says. We're ready to live by what God says in His Word. You want to read about revival times. I encourage you to read about Josiah's reign and read about man what how he sought the and God actually spared his life and his kingdom. And even though there was going to come destruction because of the way, God smiled upon Josiah and the people of that age because that they turned from the way that they were and they turned their heart back to God. God smiled upon them. God's Word is not a book of suggestions that you and I can look at and have a choice in. God's Word is a book of commands that if you follow, He'll bless your life and He'll bless your heritage. But if you don't follow, there is consequence to pay. Somebody said, why preacher? Why is my family like it is? Why is my, because you didn't go by what God said to go by. Amen. That's all you say. Preach, that's hard. No, it's not. It's written there. It's in black and white. Hey, brother, we don't get to pick and choose which ones we want to obey and which ones we don't. God's Word is the Word of God. God's Word requires response. So the preaching of God's Word, it requires a reaction and it requires a response. And you respond every time you come to the house of God, you respond in one way or another. You're responding right now. Some of you ain't liking it. Some of you think it's foolish. Some of you... Are accepting it. God's word will always require a response. What's your response to the word of God? God's plan for modern day man is for you to respond positively just like the people in Josiah's day responded to the words of God. What place does God play in your life? Oh, God help us. What, what place does God, does God have in my life? Does He come, does He get what's left of my life? does he get what's left of it to, If as long as it's convenient I'm going to church and I'll I, I preach I'll be there Sunday morning uh, but now uh, that's enough and I believe that's all God requires I want you to know friend get in your book and find out what God does require of you this is the Lord of to do good to do justice to live godly and to walk in the presence of the Lord I, I, I know I butchered that up but, but look uh, that, that God's got some requirements that He requires of you and me He don't give us the opportunity to choose He don't say if you want to. But folks, look up here at me. Most of us live as though God says if you want to. Most of us live our lives as though God gave you a suggestion as to whether or not you want to live that way. Raising your children. Somebody said, I need a book on raising children. You got one. Amen. Because you don't agree with God's way, you don't mean that God didn't give you the right way. Too many of you want to be buddies with your young ones, ready to be parents. God didn't call you to be their buddy. He entrusted you with them and he brother Mike when those ones you had God entrusted their soul into your care Amen. their soul was entrusted into your care it's not a suggestion y'all hearing me it's not a suggestion as to how that you raise your children how that you train your children How that you bring them up? The Bible don't say anything about bringing them up. He said to train them up. Train requires discipline. God's word is not a suggestion. It's not a book of suggestions. This is the final authority. In all manner of faith and practices, I think that, well, I think, preacher, God ain't interested in what you think. Amen. And to be honest with you, if it ain't this book, I'm not really interested in what you think. Amen. Now, if you're lining up with this but God help me because I want to line up with it. I want to line up with it. I fail Him and I fail Him quite often but I I want to line up with it. He's proven to me over the past 40 years. He's proven to me that He's a God of His Word. He's proven to me that He'll not fail me. let God be true and every man a liar how must we we behave toward the preaching the preaching requires reaction preaching requires response how should we behave about praying God gave us a tool that no other organization has there's nothing else, no one else has what we have as children of God. And that is a direct line to the God of all creation. First Thessalonians 5.17 Y'all can quote it, can't you? Pray without ceasing. That's what he said. The greatest asset we have has become the hardest thing to do. Anybody with me? Is it hard to have a prayer life? I'm, I'm, I've always said this, and I believe it to be so. And I say it because I deal with myself so much. Most of our prayer life is what takes place in this wall, in the, in these walls here. That's the majority of a lot of people's prayer life is what's seen. That's where the majority of our praying takes place during the worship service. We come here to worship. That's what we're supposed to come here for. But uh, I believe our prayer lives are the reason we don't have much power in the house of God no more because there ain't many praying in the house of God no more. What reason there's no power in the pulpit? is because there's no praying going on. You see, what what prayer requires is there's some things that it requires. First of all, it requires devotion. Y'all follow me? Praying requires devotion. Y'all follow me? See if I ain't right. According to Webster, 1828 dictionary, devotion is the state of being dedicated, consecrated, or solemnly set apart for a particular purpose. Think about this now. When you go to prayer, when you go to prayer, what else is on your mind? Or as I read that, as I studied that this week, Brother Mike, and I looked at that definition, I said, oh my God, help me. Because so many times it my mind is preoccupied how many have ever been praying and never remember saying amen you just go into something else have you really been praying we try to go to god today contaminated With all types of things, and our minds and our hearts are not involved. Preacher, you mean your mind's got to be involved in praying? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I know that theory, that 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 analogy that you hear you talk, and, and I, I'm not buying it. I, I'm, I'm really not. People talking about missing heaven by 18 inches because. They say that it's 18 inches approximately from your head to your heart like this, like this, boom, 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 boom is what gets saved. Don't preach that. You hear me? Don't preach that. That's heretical. That's not truthful. I don't know where the innermost man is, but I know that without believing up here, you ain't going to believe nowhere. I know that ain't popular preaching in the brethren liable to take offense to that. But God gave us a mind. He said that mind ought to be sound. Didn't he? That sound mind. But Mike, you ain't never got saved without believing in your head first. I don't know where that foolishness ever come from, but please, please kick it to the curb. Please be done with that. Many of us today try to get, try to go to God and we've got everything else on our mind and everything else in our life, everything else upon our heart rather than getting along with God. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 8, Paul said this to Timothy. He said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. He said, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Paul gives us three three things right here. He gives us a place to pray. He said everywhere. I would that men will pray everywhere. Somebody said, where do I need to pray? Everywhere. Pray everywhere. Without ceasing. Pray, uh, do you, preacher, you talk about having a secret place. You need to have one. You ought to have one. You ought to have a place you get along. Just you and God. You ought to have that place. If you had not got that place, you need to find you one. It's your secret place, a place where you and God get together. You clear your minds, you clear your heart, and you talk to God and spend time with Him. Why do we have powerless churches more? Because we ain't got nobody spending time with Him. We ain't got nobody spending time with Him. Listen, not only that, we find the place to pray there, we also find the posture of prayer there. He said, lifting up holy hands. lifting up holy hands that's what he said lifting up holy hands unto the lord uh, look and not only that he said we, we got the person uh, the personality of prayer uh, look what he said he said without wrath and doubting Th- there we come there with this with this uh this this involvement of our hearts and minds. without We come in without wrath. We come in without doubting. We come in oh, seriously and earnestly putting our faith in God and saying, God, I'm talking to you and I'm talking to you alone. Friend, I'm trying to tell you this morning. You say, preacher, where are you going to? I'm t- trying to tell you God's give us His Word and we got it and it's in our hand but we're not making use of it. Amen. We're not making use of it. You can preach dirty. You can teach dirty. You can sing dirty. You can shout dirty. But you ain't going to pray dirty. You're not going to pray dirty. Brother Sammy Allen, that's what he said by the way. You ain't going to pray dirty. You can do all the others and put on a show, but when you go to talking to God, you're not going there contaminated. We're without excuse today, y'all. We're becoming unspiritual churches because we we ignore the Word of God. Folks are dying, going to hell, sitting amongst our churches because we ignore the Word of God. If Paul said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God, our heart's desire and prayer to God ought to be for the lost to be saved. If Paul said, I would, my brother and my kinsmen, of course, that, that I would make myself be a curse from God for my brother and my kinsmen according to the flesh, we ought to make it all, every point and possibility in the world that we have that our lost folks should get saved. Angela was talking to me this morning on the way to church, and I, I pulled my phone out and put a note in my phone when I was coming down the road. And she was talking about that Sunday school lesson about Philip and that eunuch. And she said, I just noticed, I never had noticed it myself. <laughs> The Bible said that Philip ran to that eunuch. He didn't walk. He didn't prance. He didn't strut. He didn't say, I'm I'm God's gift for you. I'm going to help you, buddy. I'm going to help you. But no, he ran. Why? Because he knew that time was short. And he knew that that man was in danger. And he knew that God said go to him. God's told us to go to somebody. God's told us that our lost folk are going to die. God's told you, young man, that your children are going to die and go to hell if they don't get saved. God's told you, mama, that your children will die and go to hell if they don't get saved. And brethren, we're not running to the altars no more. We're no longer running. Because we take it as a, well, it's just a suggestion. We're without excuse today because we're ignoring God's word. (coughs) Verse 11, he said, there's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. 2 Chronicles seven 14, I'm done. Paul said, if my people, I mean Solomon said it, God said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, then will I hear from heaven. I forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. But he said one, one statement in there. He said, if they'll seek my face. They'll seek my face. Listen to me and I'm done. you come piano. God's plan hadn't changed for modern man. It's still that modern man would seek God. Brother Mark, if your children get saved, it's gonna be after you seek God. God's the only one that can bring them under conviction. God's only one that can break down their pride. Brother Bradley, if God does anything for me and you, it's going to be after we seek Him. After we seek His face and turn from our wickedness. Brother Dean, if God helps your family, it's going to be after you seek Him. After you turn to Him with all your heart. We talk a real good game. We talk like we really want God to do something for us. But we want Him to do it without us having to pay anything. There's a cost to revival. There's a cost to holiness. If you're going to live holy, there's a cost to that lifestyle. It's going to require you something. Are you willing to pay it and give it up? There's no cost to salvation because that's already been paid for. And there's some of you this morning that you are lost and on your way to hell like a bullet. And God has once and again and time and time again passed by your way. And today He may be passing by your way and saying for the final time, alright now, this is the last opportunity you'll ever have. You turn Him down today could be that He never passes your way again.